Ladies and gentlemen, guess what? It's the Conference USA Report podcast, the first one in a global pandemic. Uh, it's a little weird, guys, to be doing this thing. We still are in the midst of a global pandemic. People still are dying. We have restrictions. Nobody can go to bars and things like that. Um, I think if you were affected by some of this, right, uh, like personally, maybe someone you knew and loved uh, died due to complications related to COVID-19, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I feel for you. I think eventually a great number of us will all be affected by by that either personally or uh you know professionally in that maybe you get laid off maybe uh you know maybe your financial situation changes a little bit uh these are tough times it's not easy and I think that's why I think those that are taking it lightly or treating it fit frivolously excuse me frivolously uh you know Encouraging a comeback uh, for their own personal uh, comfort is uh, is distasteful, we'll say, right? Uh, hurry up. I want some football because I'm getting bored. Uh, that's, that's terrible, right? Uh, I think it, it doesn't take into account our fellow citizens who are struggling out here or who have to take uh, some bigger risks. Uh, and, you know, like our are already battling uh, the new challenges to a, a larger degree. Maybe they're working at a Walmart or something like that, right? Uh, you know, encountering people every day. Uh, where, you know, like people like me, right? I'll, I'll admit it, kind of safe at home. I'm allowed to work from home. Uh, you know, I've been busy. I've been working. But uh, a lot of my time is in front of my desk in the comfort and safety of my four walls and a roof, you know? limited interaction uh, with other people and strangers like that. And I am grateful for it. Uh, but I don't think I'm better or, uh, or anything like that uh, than, than the people who have to go face it. And I, I, I think for their sakes, you know, we need to do all we can to make sure that we're controlling uh, this pandemic. And that means masking up, it seems, right? Uh, and not ridiculing those that are wearing a mask. Uh, and, you know foregoing some of these activities that, you know, we would other, otherwise partake in, right? It means, hey, sit down, stay home, put on a mask, watch some more Netflix, be a little uncomfortable, and don't complain so loudly when you're bored, right? Now, all that said, where does college football fit into all of this? I think it's it's easy to dismiss college football as a unnecessary pastime, but... um like America's a an entertainment exporter, right? Uh, sports, movies, uh, television shows, books, the like, right? That's what we do. Uh, and you know, college football is more of a an internal kind of thing. But I think there's a a large number of people dedicated to the production of college football uh, entertainment, right? The entertainment complex. And, uh, I mean, it is unnecessary. We don't need college football to live, right? You know, uh, nobody's, uh, you know, on an IV asking for some college football uh, so that way they can live another moment. But I do think that there's uh, that morale and, um, and uh, like, uh, what is that? The, like relaxation and escapism are necessary to the, to the mental health 
of the nation. And I think college football helps us kind of do some of that, right? A little bit of normalcy in a an otherwise uh, abnormal situation. So there's value to it. I think uh, just, you know, at one extreme, people are like, we should just do it the way we did it, right? 30,000 people in the stadium, right? Fill her up. Let's get it going, college football. What's the big deal? Well, death. Death is the big deal um, on one end. And then just behind it is like lifelong illness, right? Myocarditis for the players, uh, fans, right? Not good. So uh, how do we do it? Can we do it safely? Um, can we enact protections for the players? Um you know where they where they can they can be tested. They can feel safe. They can feel comfortable to go out and compete. Because a large large portion of players want to play. Right? This is what they do. They dedicated their lives to this game, so they want to play the game. Right? Football players want to play football. There's nothing unusual about that. I think. Uh, um, well, we shouldn't take that as like uh, the only tenant of the uh, of the policy and, and just kind of enact it that way because you know public safety, public health is also. Uh, very important, right? But it should help us uh, draw up some of these guidelines, right? Football players want to play. Playing football is valuable for the nation, for the nation's mental health. So how can we do it safely, right? Do we need to have any fans? Do we need to put people in a bubble? Do we need to do daily testing? Um, Is it weird? Should we compensate some of these uh, athletes because they're out here doing some things above and beyond when regular students are at home on Zoom, right? You can't play football on Zoom. Uh, So, you know, what are the the things? I think all these questions are being asked, uh, and I think some of them being asked creates some discomfort on the part of the, uh, you know, the powers that be, right? Hey, we have to compensate them. That may mean that my coaching staff doesn't get a million dollars uh, to coach this thing and my, uh, you know, the facilities aren't as nice because the players getting paid some, right? You know, and that's, that's just not done, which is a ridiculous, you know, point to, to argue. That's just not done. Um, and so I think that's a large part of the, uh, the, like I said, the discomfort in college football and particularly in Conference USA right now. Um, but we played some games. So let's talk about those games. Uh, UAB, West favorite, uh, I suppose. Um, you know, if you can be a favorite in the season that you know don't know that might end, right? You don't know when it's going to end. Uh, UAB played, and they, and they dominated, I thought. Uh, I know that you look at the score. That doesn't tell you everything, right? Um, 45, was it 45-35 or something like that? Uh, they, they pretty much controlled the game. They never looked like they were, uh, like things were in doubt. They tried some things, throwing the ball. Uh, Tyler Johnson the third doing an interception. Um, UAB, they run the ball, they execute, they play great defense, uh, and they try to make some plays in the pass game. Uh, the thing separating them from a truly elite football team, like one that can compete uh, maybe with some G, uh, some Power 5 schools, is probably the pass game, right? But we can say that in, you know, go go back to the podcast in 2018, and I'm saying that, Last year, I'm saying that. Uh, this year, right? So uh, what what's the, the through line there? Well, UAB won a title and then went to the title game um, in those last two seasons. So I don't think a little bit of a struggling pass game is going to really hold this team back. Uh, it might prevent them from beating a, a truly excellent team like the way it did in the title game last season, right? FAU 
just kind of ran away with things and, and UAB just looked second best there, right? Um, so they're still going to be in it, right? Law Tech, uh, they're trying to figure out the quarterback situation. They're always talented, however. Uh, North Texas, you know, got a new quarterback. The defense looks, um, well, they look terrible. Uh, USM, same kind of deal. They dropped a, an initial game out here. We'll talk about them in a second. They were supposed to be the threat, but they looked uh, always. They always looked a little weak, um, um, uh, like a little thin. I guess is a better word. And out, out east, you know, who do you have? FAU is going. They're in transition. New new coach. Um, FIU imploded last season. Uh, this year's kind of a rebuild. Middle Tennessee is always supposed to be good. It's supposed to be year two of the transition uh, after Brent Stockstill. But they looked awful against Army, right? You never know with them. Uh, it's pretty much going to be Marshall, who always manages to lose a clutch game somewhere, right? That's basically they've come in second last couple seasons because they dropped the game that they otherwise shouldn't have. Um, you know, so Marshall, great defense, and it looks like they have a good offense, right? Uh, that's really the threat. It's it's UAB, it's Marshall. That's pretty much it. You can look at Western Kentucky and say, well, maybe, you know, maybe they can kind of do some things. I, you know, you don't know. Uh, this is a weird season. Um, Charlotte's supposed to be good. How much of that was just the first-year coach bounce, right? And if you get some of that, well, maybe UTSA is a little a little sparkly, right, this season. Um, it, it's difficult to say. That was That's kind of the rough estimate coming into the season. Um, it was wide open, but it's pretty much UAB and, and like Marshall. Those are going to be the two teams that you look at. Uh, because everything is different, then the the normal dynamics of the season have changed. Will have changed, right? Uh, we won't see like it's not so much of a grind. You got a lot more time in between, but it's also a mental thing, right? Instead of building up some momentum, you know, with you know playing week after week after week and kind of getting a rhythm, you kind of you know pause and you're you're not thinking about just football, right? In the way that coaches modern coaches want you to do right uh tune out all the distractions only think about football um not only has the global pandemic uh been on the forefront of everybody's mind but so has uh civil unrest social justice uh racism classism um and then this is uh an election season where things are gonna get really partisan and stuff uh i, I already saw somebody criticize uh jade Hobson for his first loss and blamed it on protesting, right? These players focusing on protesting uh, and not enough on the game. Uh, sure, man. I guess. I think it was probably because, uh, you know, uh, Booth, Steven Anderson, um, uh, Jalen Adams all sat out. Um, yeah, a lot of talent sat out and they didn't play. Um, and they were a little bit behind, uh, behind the game a little bit. They, they couldn't execute in short yardage. That might have been just it, right? It's not because they couldn't pro. They were out protesting or anything like that. Um, you know, USA is a is an improving team. They're a good team. Let's give them some credit. Uh, and it's not to say that USA wasn't out there protesting either or didn't have some of this stuff on their mind. I think that's a silly excuse, and everybody should stop making it. Stop blaming some of those things. Distractions. Everybody has them. We're all human beings, and only robots can think about football. 24 hours a day, and that's what Nick Saban pretty much is. Um, so, go back to it. USM played, uh, they played USA. It's a silly way to say it. 
South Alabama, just around the corner, first ever meeting uh, there, Jack Abraham. You know, the thing about him is that he's he's always he's super accurate. Uh, he had talent around him last season. He had a great season last year. He still threw a lot of interceptions, and that's something that's been his M.O. in the last three years, right? Um, hey, he's talented, but he'll, he will turn the ball over. Uh, that was the knock on him his freshman season. Uh, this last year, same kind of deal. This year, no turnovers. Right? That was the best news. He threw for three fourteen on twenty two or thirty two passing, uh, but didn't didn't throw a touchdown. Uh, he did score, but they got called back because of forward progress. Whatever. Um, they were outgunned. Um, South Alabama, five hundred twenty six yards of offense to four oh nine for USM, and that includes some of that garbage time where USM was just trying to drive down the field to get it get a score late. Um, this was pretty much uh, just controlled by USM early. After that call back, called back touchdown, um, that would have put Southern Miss up. Um, you know, USA never never looked back, right? Um, I think at that point, was it 13-10? And it just kind of sealed everything. Uh it was disappointing. Not only was it like uh, all eyes were on Hattiesburg for the for the opener, but Southern Miss is supposed to be like taking a next step and really challenging. It's gonna. I think if you sketched out sketch it out, you would have said, "All right, UAB and USM. These are gonna be the two teams that are gonna challenge for blah blah blah, et cetera." And Southern Miss kind of drops the ball there. What are you gonna do? I think you can blame Hobson, you know, for a lot of things. Uh, but he's he's always working with, with like a half a deck, right? A um, lot of transfers. He's always having to replenish his roster. Um, I think he's one of the lowest paid coaches in the league. I mean, resources are kind of a, uh, uh, hard to come by. And he still manages to put some entertaining uh, offenses on the field, some quality teams. Uh, I think Seth Luttrell mentioned one time that, you know, he's like, they always have a talented defensive line. They always have talent there. They're always able to replenish. Um, they're always entertaining at the very least, right? So I wouldn't count them out just yet. I think uh, losing some guys so late in the process, it being early and USA being a good team contributed to that. We should see some improvement coming, for, uh, coming in the next couple of weeks, right, as they adjust to life in the pandemic and whatnot. Um, but again, UAB looked solid. They dominated that game. I think uh, everybody was uh, that everybody that just looked at the score was like, "Well, they got challenged. They're not the same. Um, they they never really were threatened." I I'm if you're not UAB uh, a UAB fan, I'd be a little scared of UAB. They're just gonna dominate and roll over you and. And not think twice about it. It's pretty much how it seems. Um, maybe, maybe you can say the th same thing about Marshall, right? I don't know. They they won against Eastern Kentucky, and uh, like Marshall's last couple seasons, they've looked really good. And I think a lot of people have said, well, if they can just get a passing game, right? Isaiah Green looked good in, in spots. He started every game last season, uh, but he decided to transfer, uh, and so they have this new kid. And, um, you know, he had a great debut, Grant Wells, 307 yards, four touchdowns, uh, set a school record, 59 nothing. I think they scored on every possession. They had uh, a thorough and complete domination. But Marshalls looked good in the past couple seasons. They always managed to lose a game, right, when they, when they 
need to be like perfect basically. Uh, and they haven't got the help that they've needed uh, after tripping up a little bit. And you can say, well, they're just kind of unlucky. Yeah, you need a little luck to win a title. Um, they have been good enough to compete. You know, they, they beat FAU last season. You know, FAU went on to win the, the league. Um, but nobody's going to remember that, right? They're only going to remember who won the title. When you pull up a list of, of uh, title winners, you're going to see FAU on there. You're not going to see Marshall. Nobody's, there's no Wikipedia list of teams that went that beat on beat the team that went on to win the title. And actually, uh, if you look at it, they were actually pretty good. There's no such list. Nobody's interested in making that list. Um, so there you go, right? Marshall has a chance. They're a good team. This is a weak division right now. Um, and so you can basically say, hey, it, they can think about UAB, game plan for UAB as they clean up in the East Division. Right. Um, will they do it? I don't know. Grant Wells looked good, but uh, we'll see when they get challenged. Um, you know, and then the weather turns cold, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Middle Tennessee, speaking of uh, teams that uh, have kind of dropped the ball a little bit, uh, you know, I was there in Murfreesboro when they had a chance, best quarterback in, in school history. Uh, home field advantage in which nobody showed up. Um, you know, had UAB on the ropes, just needed one drive to win the game, right? And then they, they blew it. Um, last season, there was a, it was a transitional year. Uh, uh, Asho, Hera, you know, kind of turned heads, running and passing, 2,000 yards passing, it was like 2,600 plus or something like that, and then like 1,058 running. Um, you know, kind of one-man team. Um, they did not impress against Army. They had some terrible clock management in it. They looked like they were not in it mentally. Army, and I've said this before, I've written it and, and I've talked about it. Uh, if it, any team was going to be unfazed by the circumstances given, you know, like their makeup, it was going to be Army. And lo and behold, it came to pass. Uh, Army was uh, the same Army we've seen for the last three or four seasons. And uh, just dominated start to finish, 42 to nothing. Um, I don't, you know, I was like watching North Texas play uh, yesterday and and UTEP also. And you know what? I don't know that North Texas would have done any better against this Army team. You know, like Army's good and they, you know, were ruthless. They exposed any weakness. North Texas got sliced up and we'll talk about them. Uh, yeah, their, their new look defense and uh you know i imagine that anybody especially given all the circumstances global pandemic and everything they would have got sliced up by army they would just look really good so i don't want to i don't want to dismiss middle tennessee too early too soon right now but i think i saw some fire stock still hashtags and whatever i don't think anybody's gonna be firing a coach when the budgets are already tight nobody wants to pay anybody's buyout clause while they're laying off employees it's going to be rick stock still for a long time guys um, so speaking of North Texas, uh, 57, 31 winners over, uh, Houston Baptist, North Texas looked good on offense, right? 731 or 721 yards of offense, uh, set a school record, uh, you know, uh, new quarterback, Jason Bean through three scores, uh, North Texas looked more talented than HBU, right? But in terms of actual football playing, HBU did not look that bad, right? Uh, 
their quarterback, Bailey Zappi, threw for 480. And, uh, you know, before you're like, hey, well, that was against backups late. Yes, a lot of it was backups late. But he threw for 250 in the first half. And, you know, Houston Baptist was unlucky to be, I think it was a down 20 to 10 or something like that at the, at, at the half. They had some chances. The Their kicker missed some field goals. And, again, that's like talent, right? If you have a, a bigger, better school, you can recruit a um, – you can recruit a kicker that can make some of those seal goals, and things are different. But as it was, um, you know, the defense looked a little – it looked like they were adjusting to the scheme. A lot of the same faces that we saw last year, but new scheme, uh, and you can see some some mistakes were made. You can probably make the argument that, hey, look, uh, it just takes some repetitions. The uh, limited uh, the limited practice time, right, limited practice time in the spring has meant that some of those things that would have been worked out earlier uh, are being worked out in game one, right? And that, that may be true. We'll see. Uh, Clint Bowen was brought in from Kansas to kind of implement some of the things that the the leaders of the Big 12 uh, have been doing, guys like Gary Patterson, um, you know, the Iowa State guy, and uh, Alex Grinch at, at Oklahoma. We shall see. Right now, uh, it looks like you can score on North Texas, but... You also probably uh, will will be in a shootout because they could score also. Uh, Jason Bean looked good. His uh, co-starter Austin Ani also looked pretty good. Uh, but I think if you are if you care, Jason Bean was probably probably the, the took a step ahead right in that little two man quarterback race. Meanwhile, in El Paso, uh, UTEP they struggled. I joked that uh, they might pull an upset and beat SFA. Uh, I think UTEP kind of moved the ball better than Stephen F. Austin, but they were down 14-3 for most of the first half. Uh, it wasn't until the final two minutes that UTEP got a couple scores to go ahead, 17-14, to and then like nothing happened, right? It was not a great football game between that uh, that and the end of the game. Uh, UTEP managed to, to score again to kind of pad the, the margin, but it was only 24-14. to um, the Sun Bowl looks nice, right? The improvements look nice. Some TVs out there looks nice. I think a lot of people tweeted about it. it looked very, very nice, very uh, uh, improved. Um, but UTEP only managed 364 yards of offense and 19 first downs. They held Stephen F. Austin, you know, to to fewer than that. But I mean, again, not really an impressive outing. This might be the only win that UTEP gets. Last year, they the only one they got was a two-point win over Houston Baptist, and they went on to lose 11 straight. So um, the annual win, question mark, for UTEP? I don't know. So far, not so good. Right. Uh, and, and that's it. That's all we had in Conference USA. Uh, you know, there was a few more eyes on the uh, on the, on the league than, than usual because, uh, uh, you know, Conference USA is – is one of the few conferences still playing, right? The Big Ten postponed, Pac-12 postponed, the Big 12 and the uh, ACC are going ahead, right? But um, opening week, uh, that Thursday night games, a couple games there, uh, you know, all eyes were on Conference USA schools. So that's good. Coming up next week, what do we got? Um, UAB travels to Miami. That should be a big-time matchup. We will see how good UAB is. Uh, I want to say that they they kept some things a little vanilla. They just relied on their run game. They said as much. 
some of that might have been them just hiding the past game, but I think they wanted to, you know, keep their cards close to the vest uh, when they play Miami. Uh, you know, Miami's on a on a one game losing streak to uh, Conference USA schools, right? Shout out to FIU. Um, Louisiana Tech plays Baylor, uh, Charlotte, Appalachian State, and UTSA takes on uh, Texas State. Uh, a Texas State team that looked mighty good against the SMUs. Um, you know, they shut them down to play good defense, and I think they didn't have any tight ends because of contract contact tracing. Uh, what that means for UTSA, I don't know, right? I mean, like, because uh, you're like, hey, wait, if the guy's up in San Marcos, which is not that far from UTSA, uh, you know, had some COVIDs, uh, should we be worried? Or are the players going to be able to play? Is the game going to even go forward? I don't know. Um, what else is on the slate for this one? So just to clarify, UAB and Miami is Thursday at, at 7. It's on the ACC network, so check check your, you know, your cable package or whatever. Um Marshall, East Carolina is postponed. Everybody knows that. Uh, Charlotte and Appalachian State should be a good one. We'll see how good Charlotte is. They uh, they made a lot of noise. They're very entertaining. They were the team of the season, I guess, at the East and in a lot of respects. Uh, although, I guess, like Western Kentucky would argue differently. Um, I'm excited. They got new logos and everything right there. Appalachian State's a good opponent. Uh, App State's well-respected Sunbelt squad. Um, it's a real test for them, and I think that'll give them a, a real feeling of where they are in the hierarchy of college football, whatever's left of college football. Uh, Tech and Baylor. You know, Tech always plays these uh, P5 matchups well. Um, you know, I, I'm interested to see what's going to happen here. Baylor's a good squad, a lot of talent, and Tech doesn't really have uh, they're kind of in a transitionary year. We'll see who their quarterback's going to be. They're doing that thing where they're deciding. I think Skip Holt said, I'm going to decide on Wednesday. Um, you know, UTSA, this game is a, you know, it's a it's a little rivalry game. Uh, UTSA has owned it. Texas State really looks like they are the better team right now. Um, you know, UTSA has gotten the better of, of Texas State last couple seasons as Texas State's been just kind of in a weird spot, uh, rebuilding and not improving. And uh, even when UTSA was down, they were still better than than uh, than the Bobcats. Um, so this will be interesting, the first test for the new head coach uh, at, at UT San Antonio. And, uh, you know, the Roadrunners, they have, like, new uniforms, I think. I have a, I have a suspicion. Let me, let me talk about this. So North Texas went to, and I think UTEP did too, went to a template that is kind of classic. It looks like USC or, or maybe like the Colts. Just a very old school uh, look, right? Um, they kind of brought back the jerseys that were in the Mean Green, uh, Mean Joe Green era, the 1975 uh, team, where it's very simple, like green or all solid color, white, and then just the stripes, well, the other color stripes, right? So if you're wearing a white jersey, it's green. Green jersey, it's white. And UTSA adopted the jersey, New Jersey, to have like a like a logo background on the on the sleeves, right? That was what North Texas had. So I wonder if North Texas is like, nah, we don't want it. I want to have the same jersey, basically the same jersey template. Let's get something different. Whatever. I don't know. That's my suspicion. Um, UTEP, but UTEP kind of has a similar look to North Texas now. So that's kind of weird. Um, but with the same colors as UTSA. UTEP plays uh, the Mama School, 
They played Texas in Austin um, next week. That does not look good for UTEP. That's going to be a blowout. And then uh, West Kentucky and Louisville. Uh, a lot of crazy stuff happening in Louisville right now in real life. Uh, so that that one's going to be interesting. Uh, that's at 7. That's also on the ACC network. The UTEP game is going to be on the Longhorn network. UTSA Texas State on ESPN2. Tech and Baylor on Fox. Charlotte App State ESPN2, in case you're wondering. Everybody else is on a bye or an extended pause. Uh, so we'll see what's up. And that's it. That's it. We'll keep it short and sweet this one, this time. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in to the Conference USA Report podcast. Uh, we'll, we'll see you next time.